Mark chapter 9, please. While you're turning there, I'd like to explain a couple of things. The sermon today is going to be on sanctification. Now you know what that is. That's getting prepared to work for Jesus after you're saved. Too many of us are not taught about this thing. We don't understand that it's a part of the process. But we have to make an effort ourselves to try to be what God wants us to be. It doesn't all come for nothing. And it's something that we, those rewards that we receive in heaven for the deeds that we do after we're born again are things that we have to go after and work for. And it's called sanctification or cleaning up, if you will. It's like he says in, 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 in Romans, don't keep on getting like the world as we are growing older in this world we take on the world's ways. And Paul addresses that like we're already taking on those ways and continuing to do it. And he doesn't say, don't take them on. He says, quit taking them on. Because he knows already we're doing it. And we are, even the saved ones are doing it. This particular Mark chapter 4 is, I mean 9, chapter 14, I'm sorry, is three times related in Scripture, in Matthew and in Luke 2. Now you'd think that Luke, being a doctor, and also the Bible historian, the best accounts of this thing would, would be from Luke, but it's not, it's from Mark. I really don't understand that because Mark and Matthew didn't say a lot about either one of us. Except to add a name what they called a lunatic. We're dealing again probably the last time we go back to this thing of demons. But it has amazed me in looking through all the things that deacons that demons cause among our people, the human Christian, born-again believers, is all systemic things. Now, we know that they attack people out of the graveyards and beat them up and send them home without any clothes and bruise from one end to another. But that's not the things that the Bible tends to talk about much. It talks about systemic medical problems that we have no sense of origin where they come from and those are the things that they deal with and give us. And this one this morning is about a boy who was a lunatic. Now that's a little bit of a special thing because my Schofield interprets that in epileptic. But in the Bible, they call them a lunatic. 
are either moonstruck because of the action of the ailment so closely relates to the phases of the moon. Now that brought back an old uh, 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 thing that we I dealt with way, way, hadn't thought about it in years. But every ambulance driver, I think, and most of the nurses and every ER man or woman knows about this thing called lunacy. They called it craziness. And a man that was, a, uh, was, a, was crazy was a lunatic because of the frequency of the action of the demons that are possessed in a man around the time that the moon is full. They can all tell you stories about this. That when the moon's full, the ER is going to fill up. All the ambulances are going to be up and down the road. And it's true. It's a very truth. It's not just a rumor. It's just something that, that really happened. And they had noticed back before there were emergency rooms, back before there were, were, were automobiles you could haul sick people up and down the road in, they noticed it right off the bat that these are the people who went crazy when the moon was full. And they call them lunatics. And in this case, Schofield called them epileptics. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen an epileptic seizure. I don't know how many there are around. I don't know how many people are affected by it. But I have. And we had a girl in, in, in school that was from a prominent family in Montevallo. And she had, I know, three of them in the cafeteria. So everyone who had happened to be in the cafeteria at the time got a full picture of the full process. And that's the thing that has so fascinated me about this, 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 this re recalling of this, this boy having epileptic seizures, he went through the whole process. I mean, they explained every process of this thing right down to it. And it's, it's, it's like I say, it's something that demons will take systemic disease and give it to a person that is possessed by a demon and carry it down exactly according to medical schedule. I don't know why or how they do that, but it's very, very recognizable. So let's start in chapter 9 of Mark and verse 14. It's talking about Jesus. They just come back from one ministry and they're taking up another. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribe questioned 
with them. There's a big crowd out there around his disciples and a bunch of the scribes and the Pharisees are out there and they're talking with them, carrying on some what appears to Jesus as some serious conversation. And straightway or immediately, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. They didn't know apparently that he was out there. So when he comes to see his disciples, they all went there to see the Jesus. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Why are you talking to the crowd? What's going on? And, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, like I said, in my Schofield, they translated into modern medicine and called it an epileptic. But he said, a dumb spirit. Now, there's some spirit who do not have the ability to talk or to hear. They're deaf and dumb. And this apparently is a spirit that cannot talk. And wheresoever he taketh him, wherever the spirit taketh the boy, he teareth him. And I had to figure out that word means convulsion. When it says he tears the host, that is a convulsion. He goes into convulsion. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. Now there is the process. Of all the ones that I've seen and been a witness to, maybe it's your experience too, that the first thing that happens to these people, they're standing there perfectly normal, and all of a sudden they go into convulsions, and they start jerking bad and all this kind of stuff. And then they start foaming at the mouth. And then they start gritting their teeth so loudly that you can hear them a good ways away. And it's called gnashing because they just, they grit and grit and grit. And then they fall out. They fall out, they call it in the Bible, pineth away. The word pineth actually means that they're shriveling up. Now, if you've ever seen one of these seizures, at the end of a seizure, the victim gets very stiff. They, they curl up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a little tight wad on the floor or on the ground, and they act like they're dead. They don't move. It said so much so and pineth away. And that pineth is the expression that they're using for somebody that looks dead but is not dead. And it said, And I spake to the, thy disciple that they should cast him out. 
and they could not. Now see, Jesus sent the 70 off on a mission to heal people and to get the devils out of them. That was the two, two commandments he gave them with. And so this guy came up, brought his son when he found out what they were doing and asked him to heal his son and they couldn't do it. Now he had specifically given them power when he sent them out to take away illnesses and sicknesses and possessing spirits and they couldn't do this one. At this point, listen to this, what Jesus' expression was, he answers him and saith, O faithful, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you or put up with you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. There's that convulsion word again. As soon as Jesus came in this boy's presence, he went into convulsions again from the demon that was in him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. That's a pretty good description of what goes on during one of these seizures. And he answered his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, as a child. He's been afflicted with this dumb and deaf demon since he was a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters. It's tried to get him burned up, kill him that way, or drown him and kill him that way. The demon is after killing the boy. Because once he's killed, we, we know now as a demon-possessed child, he can't, he, he's not a Christian. And their way of Satan, it says that he's here to steal and to rob and to kill. So that's his goal. That is Satan's goal for the demons that are in him to do that to this boy. And the father knows all about that. Those people back there knew this kind of stuff then. And they knew of all the things that demons did. And he's scared to death that the demon's going to kill the child before the child can come to Jesus. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. His father knows. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now look, 
Jesus has already got the boy there at him. Uh, That's the only case I know of in the Bible where Jesus waited to take a demon out of a person. And I asked myself the question, why would he do that? The demon's standing right there in front of him in that boy. Why on this one did he stop and start talking to the people instead of just bringing the, the demon out of the boy? And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said, With tears, Lord, I believe. Help thy mind unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, now there is a tendency among people when somebody does this in public and has a seizure, they come running. They want to see the show. Every time this girl had one of these in the cafeteria at the high school, kids came running from all over to want to see it. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more unto him. And the spirit cried. Now this this is something that's happening a great deal too. When Jesus charges the demons to come out of, of the host, they hit one last hit. They make one last attack at the host, the victim, the one they're living in. And they see if they can do some damage the last time. And I mean, the demon comes out, but he has to stand there and see him go through all of this. And I believe this is the reason, and if you've heard me say it with some of my prayers, I believe that God doesn't get involved sometimes at least because of this account right here. Everybody knows Jesus could get the demons out of the, out of the people. And here he is standing here with people knowing that he has that power and he's not using it. And I believe there are times when God will not get in an issue that we are praying for him to be involved in until one of us asks him. You don't get the medical treatment until you beg Jesus for it. I believe that. I believe there's a lot of situations going on around us we see it and immediately we recognize that it's a place that God needs to be working his work. And there's a possibility he might not be there. But at our asking him to come there, he comes. And the spirit cried and rented sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. Many standing around were witness to the fact that, he had, that the demon had killed him. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, they all went in the house. And when he'd come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Until I started this series and got to this studying about this particular situation here, I didn't realize something, I don't think, in those particular terms. Jesus apparently matches spirituality not only with those who know and understand God, but also with those who can do Jesus' good works. People who have a lot of power to do that. Why couldn't we cast him out? The disciples said, you sent us over to do this with those orders. Why, why couldn't we do it? Verse 29, And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You catch that word? Prayer and fasting. There was a word used in another scripture concerning this matter about body control. We talked it about some of it uh, briefly about two sermons ago. And so fasting, according to Jesus, is body control. That's the way he sees it. Now I said at that time I mentioned it, some of us have tried dieting, leaving off foods, we can get some kind of idea how much control we have over our body by how we're able to handle that and not let our body tell us what it's going to eat and don't pay any attention to us. Now the thing about fasting is that everybody can do it. There's a lot of things that Jesus says that people can't do. But everybody eats. Everybody. They eat something. Even if they're poor and don't have a very good diet, they eat something. So everybody can decide to fast on some part of what they eat. And you can start gaining control over your own physical body. There are others who can die. It doesn't seem to bother them too bad. Me, I've been trained that way. I had to do it or die. So I learned to do it. It doesn't bother me like it bothers a lot of people. A lot of people come to me asking questions about diet or not eating or whatever and and want encouragement for not being able to do it. But I, they don't understand either, and I didn't until I read this series, that God considers our ability and willingness to die as a show of how much control we have over our body. 
So that way I can ask you, if you understand this process, how much control do you have over your body? If you came up and God charged you to cast this demon out of a person, could you do it? With your experience with not eating or being on diets, do you think you're strong enough, you have enough body control to have more body control than that demon has? That demon is sitting in this person in a position of power ready to put you down. You've heard what I said about about uh, Joan and uh, what? Bob Tyson. Bob Tyson. When he went up on the mountain out of his seminary in Nicaragua because the secretary had told him all these young preacher boys that was in training there were going up to get a demon out of a guy on top of a hill. And he told me he said, when I got there, I had 10 young men writhing on the ground. What did this say? Wallowing and foaming. He didn't say foaming, but he said they were wallowing on the ground and they had no control over their body processes. And he, I said, what did you do, Bob? Because I was interested in this thing about talking to demons that are possessing other people. And he says, I got to slinging my young preacher in the back of that Jeep. And when I got them all in there, we got them down the hill just as quick as we could get them. He says, I can't deal with that. But that was early in his ministry. Now, he might have later learned. But I know this, that because of another minister or missionary to Nicaragua, he said because I told him I had asked a preacher, a local preacher, to explain to me what to do. He said, they got a clue. Most of them don't even believe in demons. He said, you've got to talk to a pastor or a missionary who's been on the mission field south of here. And he said, every one of them from just about day one have to learn how to deal with people who are controlled by demons. So he described the process, what these guys were going through, facing that. He said a man was standing there in the middle of that circle, and this great huge voice was coming out of him. Folks, this is true now. Please, don't, don't, don't think this is some kind of, 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 of uh, religious goobly-goop or something. This happens every day. Any missionary can tell you it does. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now this is a, the, the idea I got. Jesus gives us salvation. It doesn't cost us anything but believing what we've heard. 
This is something Jesus doesn't give us that's fasting. Everybody in the early church was people who fasted. Jesus fasted himself, if you remember, as soon as he was baptized and started to go to work. He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. So it's something he's shown us that we should do in order to get stronger willed as far as Jesus is concerned. And everybody can do it. Doesn't cost anything. In fact, the business might even save us some money if we're fasting on something expensive dish out of town or something. I don't know. But everybody's called to do that. And that's the only way you can train your body to do godly things, do things that Jesus did, is by training your body to do that. By little, by little, by little, by little, is going without food and it not wrecking your whole day. So that's what Jesus has asked us to do. And if you notice here, he didn't didn't give any rules or regulations about it. You decide what you're not going to eat. You decide you're not going to eat it, so you don't eat it. And I'll glorify you for it, and I'll give you more spiritual power. Because these guys, followers of Jesus, but not Christians yet, but followers of Jesus, went out to command this demon out of this child and they couldn't do it. And they didn't know why and apparently nobody else around there knew why except Jesus. And he explained the principle of fasting among Christians. The thing that could cause us to have more control over our physical body. Now here's another issue. We know that Christianity is a mind thing. It's a mental thing. It's a belief that the mind puts good works in the arms and mouth and feet of a Christian and then he's able to do good works but that originates in our mind, in our brain. And that's where Satan works. He goes there to first to keep us from learning to be the kind of person that Jesus would have us be. We're already saved. So he can't stop us there, but he can keep us from being successful. Unless we get serious enough to take it on ourselves to learn to fast. So many times, preachers I hear complain about people getting born again and they don't do anything. Yeah, we've got church members that's been church members for years and they they, they never say anything other than maybe doing some praying. They do that, but they don't do any of the good works. And Jesus said we were created for those good works to be able to do them. So we put our bodies in training 
and we start teaching them. In fact, the business in the early part of Matthew, Jesus said, don't even tell nobody about it. In giving and in fasting, you don't tell anybody about it. You just do it. And he said, if you'll do that in secret, I will award you openly. Jesus said that. So we become stronger by trying a little thing that we've never done that some Christians we've heard of do, and that's called fasting, going without something that we like to eat. We suffer a little bit in order to become a better Christian. That's how we, that's how we become a better Christian after we're saved is by suffering. Jesus plainly puts that out there. So, we've seen the bad, we've seen the good, we've seen the educational, we've seen all kind of things dealing with this, with this, this demon thing. And Satan's ahead of all of it. He's the one that designs a program that builds a system that his demons work within. And he's the one that should explain what's going on with it and how we get to where we need to be with Jesus as far as demons are, control, are concerned. And we need to be stronger spiritually. I think all of us want to be spiritually stronger than we are. We want to grow. We want to do something. But we just don't know exactly what all the time. I've had a lot of people ask me, Will the Holy Spirit ask you to do a certain thing? Yes, he will. And you will know he asked you to do it too. That keeps us from spending our time doing what, what the Bible calls dead works. So we do good works. And we get rewards in heaven. And we lay those rewards as crowns at God's feet when we get there. And the pile of rewards we lay at God's crown, God's throne, is how much status we'll have in heaven. The whole thing just fits into a, an ever-running pattern. So that's how this one works. Like I say, there's so many stories in one of these things. So many explanations in one of these things. A couple of these explanations came from the Holy Spirit and they didn't do it till the last two days I was planning to, to have this as a sermon. Until I got serious about it myself, he wasn't going to tell me the extra little things that, as Anthony said one time, are the valuable things that are under the words in the Bible, in the, in the Scripture. That sometimes God doesn't automatically work. You would think maybe he would, but I thought that, but he doesn't. Not every time. Because here's one right here that he didn't. 
So let's continue. Every time we see a situation that we think our God needs to be right in the middle of it, to pray and ask him. If you have to, tell him what this man said, I believe, Lord, but I believe you need to be up there dealing with that thing. They need you bad. And I believe the Lord won't turn that a plea down from anybody. I don't believe he will. So that's the way a lot of it works. But of, all, of everything that I have suggested since we started teaching this thing of the, the spirit world, the evil spirit world, please do not take it like it's not there. Don't take it like it doesn't matter. Because it's not preached. It's not preached anywhere. I've had preachers tell me laughingly that they wouldn't about to tell their congregations that they wouldn't want to be run off. And that happens in a lot of places. It's something 70% of the population of the United States do not even believe in demons or the devil. And so you're going to get a lot of hoorah from them. I'll be willing to take any kind of questions or discussion or anything about this stuff if somebody doesn't understand it. But with that being said, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the ability of the Holy Spirit to teach us that word and make us understand it. I thank you, Lord, for another thing that the Scripture says, that the Holy Spirit is to bring to our remembrance everything that Jesus has said. So everything that we may need in the Bible, the Holy Spirit will bring it to our remembrance when we're in a situation where we need it. And Lord, I thank you for that. So Lord, make us handle this as an important part of your plan for us. Let it be a suggestion, Lord, for people who want to be more spiritual. So Lord, I ask you to forgive us for our sins. Fill us with your spirit. Thank you for Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.